Well, the opioid epidemic continues to take lives at an alarming rate in this problem. Just a, It's a steady climb year after year after year. 346 people died in the first three months of the year in Alberta. Three months. That's more than any other time period since these deaths were first tracked. Uh, EMS in Edmonton reported 50 overdose calls last weekend. Uh, yesterday, we spoke to an emergency room physician who said that COVID cases are dropping off, but hospitals are still stressed because of an increase in overdose patients. It's an all-out crisis. There's no doubt about it. Now, this week, the government announced something of a response. They are spending $3.5 million on increased recovery beds and a new nasal naloxone program. Well, kind of new. We'll get into that. We'll talk now with Dr. Hakik Varani, who is an associate professor at the University of Alberta, specializing in public health and addiction medicine. Dr. Varani, thank you for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. Oh, you're welcome, Shay. Uh, yeah, let's just break it down into the two parts that were announced. Um, first of all, the naloxone program. It's not new. Uh, nasal naloxone has been around for, for some time. So uh, what did they announce that changes things in terms of naloxone in Alberta? Yeah, it was a little concerning to hear the associate minister describe nasal naloxone as a new technology. Yeah. I mean, this has been around for five years plus. Um, it was also concerning to hear him describe it as... Uh, uh, a product that was five times more effective or more potent than the intramuscular naloxone, which is being handed out across pharmacies uh, in this province um, to help people um, provide aid to, to folks who have a, an overdose. The intramuscular naloxone is an extremely effective product. It's far cheaper than the intranasal one, which allows us to give it um, to more people in the population. Um, and it's also more predictable the intr- than the intranasal naloxone, which is also a good product, but requires a much higher concentration because, as you can imagine, there's a lot more barriers between the nostril and the circulation than there sure. is between uh, a, a muscle and, a circu- and the circulation. Uh, I think if it leaves people with the impression that they're better off with a nal- nasal naloxone um, product, um, and that it's more effective at reversing an overdose. I'm very concerned by that um, because the quicker response comes from an intramuscular dosage. Um, and if people avoid taking the take-home naloxone kits that are being offered right now because they're left with the impression that the nasal one is better, um, that could cause a public health problem. Right, yeah. So, okay. Uh, the other announcement, the other half of the announcement, I guess, is an increase into recovery beds. But when you dig into it, it's actually only eight new beds uh, over three yeah. years, upgrades to 27 more. Now, that's a good thing. Uh, any increase in recovery beds is a good thing. We're not discounting the importance of increased recovery spots. Um, but it seems when you put those two things together, it's it comes across as, look what we're doing, but really we're not doing anything because we know that's not where the focus needs to be, Right. Yeah, I think where you're pointing, what you're pointing out is that, you know, the math doesn't add up. We're in the midst of a public health emergency seven years in where four people per day are dying from opioid overdose in this province. It's getting worse. Um, and so, you know, adding a, a dozen or a couple of dozen of opportunities for people to pursue abstinence-based treatment certainly doesn't scale uh, or doesn't match the scale of the emergency that we face. Um, that's a significant concern. Yeah, and and again, I mean, reco- more recovery beds is great, but, you know, among people with lived experience and, and those in the addiction community, public health community like yourself, the overwhelming consensus here is that to address this issue, harm reduction is, is the path out. That's the way that you save lives. But we've actually seen, well, these announcements are being made, a reduction or more barriers to harm reduction in Alberta, right? That's... 
That's correct. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, when we're faced with a public health emergency, the imperative is to use those life-saving interventions that have good science behind them that we can scale up rapidly um, to, uh, to match the magnitude of the problem that we're faced with. And we can do that with harm reduction programs. We certainly can't do that with, um, uh, you know, a few dozen uh, treatment beds. And the science around treatment beds is certainly not as convincing as the science around um, harm reduction. That's not to say that there aren't definitely great stories of people who have achieved abstinence-based recovery by using services like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But what it is to say is that, man, we're having four people per day are dying from fatal overdose. Um, And we cannot touch that, um, even the tip of that iceberg, um, by uh, taking the approach that the Alberta government is taking. I think the other real concerning thing for um, for the public health community is that um, this tendency to create an impression that supervised consumption sites have not gone through um, significant community consultation prior to establishing themselves is really misleading. I mean, I think of the community here in Edmonton um, where the group that... Um, undertook to establish several supervised consumption sites uh, integrated into community services now, went through two full months of extensive community consultation after years of stakeholder um, partnerships. They went door-to-door from businesses to residences um, in a four-block radius of all of these sites. Um, They did virtual tours with neighbours and the business community. They had meeting after meeting after meeting with community association and business leagues. Um, they did online surveys and in-person surveys. I mean, this was an undertaking of, um, of great significance in terms of how um, lockstep they were with the community in trying to establish these sites. And to say that um, uh, communities weren't consulted uh, mm-hmm. is, just, uh, is just erroneous. It seems like there's definitely... Uh I don't even, reluctance isn't a strong enough word from our provincial government when it comes to safe consumption sites. Now, the Mental Health and Addictions Minister, Jason Luan, acknowledged that the steps they took this week won't solve this problem, but he claims that it continues their continuum of care model of addressing the opioid overdose epidemic. Um, To my thinking, the continuum care model should start with keeping the patient alive and then moving on to treatment, but is there any scientific body, any medical body at all that now here in 2021, years after this has been ongoing, does not see harm reduction as the best course of action? Is there a scientific leg to stand on to say, we need to increase recovery beds in the naloxone and uh, move away from safe consumption sites? Where does the science fall on this discussion? Yeah, there's certainly no science that says we need to move away from um, supervised consumption. Um, and you're absolutely right that a prerequisite to achieving a better quality of life um, if that includes that abstinence from psychoactive substances, is the person needs to be alive. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, uh, I, I'm reminded of a, of a study that was published three or four years ago that um, uh, described the American population's relationship with alcohol. And at that time, it was, um, it was found that about one in eight American adults were problem drinkers. Um, but that, uh, it, that, that proportion was much higher at younger ages. So it spoke to the fact that, you know, people use psychoactive substances, all sorts of them, and they kind of age out of, um, of problems with those psychoactive substances, so long as they can stay alive. Mm-hmm. 
And if we can't, if we can't um, help people to be safe when they use illegal substances like uh, street heroin that contains fentanyl and all sorts of other classes of drugs now that make it unpredictable and dangerous, um, if we can't keep them safe while they go through their tra- trajectory um, through life, discover you know how they want their quality of life to evolve, um, let the risks and benefits of their substance use evolve to a point where they can do so more safely. Um, if we can't keep them alive through that trajectory, uh, we're, we're in a big problem. And when it comes to the current supply of illicit drugs, um, we don't have that much time to act. It's been seven years and the drug supply is getting worse and worse. Yeah, it, it continues to get worse and worse. And like you say, it's been around for a while. There's a lot of evidence and research um, to support the best way to deal with this. Our Premier says he, he likes to follow the science when he talks about COVID-19. It's always, we're following the science, we're following the science. So, um, as somebody who spends their life involved in public health and addiction, what does the science say is the optimal approach to dealing with the opioid epidemic? If you're going to follow the science, what do you need to do starting today? Yeah. So the 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 first thing to say is that we have to follow the epidemiology in terms of uh, if we're going to follow the science. And the epidemiology says this is a problem that is getting worse and it requires an urgent response. That's the math of it. Um, the second thing that the science says is that there are categories of life-saving interventions that must be implemented quickly and expanded rapidly. Um, those are things like supervised consumption sites. There's things like take-home naloxone programs with the most inexpensive um, product that you can use that blankets the population with the greatest proportion of people who have access to a take-home naloxone kit so that if they encounter somebody who um, has had an adverse uh, event from the use of psychoactive substances that they can provide the antidote to opioid overdose. Um, the third thing that the science says is that medication-based um, uh, treatments, opioid agonist treatments with medications like methadone, buprenorphine, naloxone, increasingly slow-release oral morphine, these medications in a, a relationship with, um, um, with the medical practitioner are important in terms of achieving abstinence from uh, illegal substances and providing a benefit of uh, survival um, in terms of opioid overdose, but also from all causes of death, um, these medications are proven to, uh, uh, to be advantageous for survival. And then what we have to do in public health emergencies, just like we have with COVID, is exercise some innovation um, and uh, take promising practices that look like they could have um, great effects in the population and expand those rapidly. So those would be things like um, overdose prevention services that are virtual. So the government has decided to pilot one, um, but I think at at times like these, we need more than pilots. We need rapidly expanding population-based programs. Um, that have good scientific rigor so that we can evaluate them, but also um, have promise. So in this case, we have an illegal substance that, uh, or illegal drugs that are, are very toxic. Um, we need people to have access to help if they have an overdose. And so doing something like um, hooking uh, people who use drugs up with peers who they can trust on the phone or online when they're using substances, there's somebody available to them if something bad happens. That's something that we need to um, try out and rapidly expand. And the other thing that we need to do to address um, the toxicity of the illegal drug supply is to provide pharmaceutical alternatives to people who want to avail themselves of it. 
that they don't have to buy drugs from the street that are increasingly unpredictable and dangerous. So that's kind of a package of things yeah. that we could do rapidly um, to uh, get to solving this problem. Yeah, there is a game plan that can be followed based on the science and, and the study around this. And uh, I appreciate you laying it out for us. Thanks so much, Doc. You bet, Shane. That is Dr. Hakeek Varani, who is uh, a public health um, and addictions medicine specialist and an associate professor at the University of Alberta. And, um, you know, when you talk about this issue, the science is clear, you know, the science. And there's, unfortunately, when you talk about uh, legal substances and you talk about addiction, there are a lot of other competing narratives that come into it, right? There's still, um, uh, you know, the the world's health organizations and the world's medical community and the world's addictions community has has caught this uh, a, a, a disease, a chronic relapsing disease. And they, they've defined it as that. And they've come up with evidence-based treatment plans. But there's also a school of thought that still continues to see it as some sort of moral failing. And um, you don't want to encourage this. So you get that competing narrative when the science is pretty clear and, and it's been well studied and well documented. And there's there's a large field of expertise that you can tap into, um, but it requires putting down some of the old fashioned notions about addiction um, and the way that it is. And instead of just saying it's, it's, a, it's an illness, just like any other mental illness or physical illness, and we do have ways of treating it and helping people get better, um, for some reason, there's still that stigma surrounding it. So it's a tough one. And um, right now, people are dying because of that hesitancy. As he said, four people a day, 346 uh, Albertans died in the first three months of this year. So it's full on a public health emergency. It's a crisis, and we need to respond. Um, and the public health and addiction community saying what the government announced this week is helpful. It's good, but it is not adequate to address the situation that we're in.